This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion. Today we are talking with brilliant director Simon Cox, who made his feature film, the sci-fi epic Invasion of Planet Earth, over 17 years. Albeit 10 of those were writing it. But seven years he's made this feature film. And this December, this sci-fi epic that he made a lot on crowdfunding money will be released and in cinemas around the country. This is amazing and this is his story. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and producer. I have made the feature films The Dare, uh, A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, well, I've totally forgotten. A World of Darkness and Food for Thought and Cassette, both of which are in post right now. And I'm about to go and shoot King Arthur, otherwise known as Arthur and Merlin, colon, the Knights of Camelot. Um, this is very exciting for me and everyone involved, and hopefully you too, because I'm going to be on set giving you uh, an update Every week for the next four weeks, I am not going to be hosting The Boys Are. We've got Robbie McCain, Christian James and Phil Hawkins jumping in and doing hosting duties when they can. Because next week, and this is brilliant, this is amazing, next week's guest is David Kep, the screenwriter of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park! Uh, I am over the moon. This is incredible. And I am gutted deeply that I am not going to be there to record this with this great man. Um, he's also written Stir of Echoes, Mission Impossible, Spider-Man. Oh my gosh, the list goes on and on. He's directed two movies as well. Um, the boys will be talking to him. That is next week. The week after that... We have Emily Mortimer, the wonderful actress Emily Mortimer and Dolly Wells. Uh, they are famous for the Doll and M show as well as Emily in many, many, many feature films as well. And Doll has just directed her first feature film, Good Posture, which stars Emily. And that is being released very soon. So that is the week after. So you have got lots to look forward to, haven't you? Um, some great news now as well. Even more great news. Has Dalul, the wonderful director who was on the episode 111. Um, this is 127, by the way, just in case you were counting. Um, Has Dalul, the director of 2036 Origin Unknown and The Beyond, who chats in depth about that on the podcast 111 with us, all about how he made that VFX-laden film. And it ties into today's episode as well, because Simon Cox taught himself how to do VFX as well for his film Invasion of Planet Earth. Now the reason why I bring Haz up is because he has a masterclass now out there in the world for you to learn how to make your feature films using VFX. Um, and we, being the Filmmakers Podcast, have an exclusive discount just for you. That is right, Haz 
the wonderful guy, has given you lot... Um, how much is that? That's nearly... Holy cow, that's over 50% off. It's normally 25 quid. It's now 13 pounds. That's the masterclass, and you can buy it for 35 instead of 55. So, the code for this is only available um, until the end of September. And that link is FM Podcast 29. That's to rent it, to buy it full time, which is the 25 quid, uh, was dollars, I think, here instead of 55. Is FM Podcast 2019 X. And that X is a capital X. Link to all this will be in the show notes. It's brilliant. Why would you not learn this from the master himself, Paz Delol, who has has uh, created this? Brilliant. There you go. Uh, link to that's in the show notes. Right, let's get to today's podcast with the brilliant Simon Cox and his amazing story. If you do like this podcast, please share and subscribe uh, find us on iTunes there wherever you get your podcasts do that for us it means the world and tell your friends because that's what it's about that's why I do this to get the word out there and to help other indie filmmakers so if you like this in any way and you're an indie filmmaker or know someone who is tell them about this and get them listening and if you really like this go on our Twitter page at Filmmakers Pod or me at Charles Alderson and give us a like, share. Uh, share? You can't really share it. You can probably share my latest tweet, um, which has all the information for this week's podcast. There you go. If you're going to help an old lady across the street today, why not not do that? Why not just like this podcast instead? Why not tell your friends? That'll be your good deed. Yeah? Um, don't do that. Help old ladies. It's much nicer. So here we go. This is this week's podcast with Simon Cox. Enjoy, relax, listen, take notes. Make films. See you in a few weeks. Bye. So, it's my absolute delight to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Simon Cox. Welcome, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be part of your epic podcast, Charles. Why, thank you. It's just, it's been, it's been so inspiring. I tell you, what, I've been listening to this and um, I'm just so chuffed. You've kept me going up and down the M1. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is good. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, no, no, yeah. it is. It is. Trust me. <laughs> it's either that or eighties music. So, you know. so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I go eighties music. No, no, I'm, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. Man. That's okay. That's so, okay. look, we're we're here to talk about your filmmaking journey, but mainly your your brilliant sci-fi film, Invasion Planet Earth, um, and talk about the journey behind this film because it is a story. You know, the fact that it took. Well, totally 17 years in total, maybe, oh. to actually get it to where it is now. Seven years of actually making it. I mean, already that's the story. Already that's, that's fair play, you know. Yeah. If you knew, if you knew it was going to take this long to get made, would you have still done it? You know what? Somebody asked me this 10 years ago, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think yeah. I, I made a film years ago and... I was never happy with it. And I thought I wanted to make the film that I wanted to make that. And that was an epic sci-fi. And, you know, when Hollywood didn't come knocking, I thought I'm just going to do it. And I'm so pleased with it. You know, it, yes, it's low budget and all this, but it's for me, it's that it's everything that I wanted to do. It is a bit of a shame that it's become a career's work, but hopefully there's a bit of career left to make a few more b movies now. That's what I'm hoping. Well, that's it. Yeah, no, I think it's worth it. I think yeah. same with the podcast, you know, sometimes you go, God, is this worth it? Same yeah. with any film you make or anything that you sort of take on creatively. Yeah. You always think potentially this is going to be easier than it is. 
And you always think, oh, I'll be all right. I can get through it. And then, <laughs> then, and then you go through it and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, you... the desk's taken a long <laughs> while to get to the screen. It just does. These things do, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what someone said to me once? What's the worst thing than making a film? And that's not making a film. So, there you go. You know, I think it's worth, it's worth the grief, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your first film then. Let's talk about you because you said there you made a film before and you weren't happy with how it went about. Um, what was the journey that led to Invasion Planet Earth? Uh, okay. Are you sitting comfortably? Um, well, I, I am. You know, I, when I left school, I always wanted to make movies. Ever since I was a kid, I saw the original Star Wars back in 78 and I knew, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from that day forward. Um, and, you know, leaving school, I tried to get in the film industry. I just couldn't get in. It was very difficult to kind of break into this this place that was just like this magical land that, uh, you know, where films were made. And I had no connection at all. Um, but, you know, after a few years, I trained as a chef. But after a few years, I got a job uh, as a runner for a film company called Filmfare, which um, was a children's animation company. And... Um, they they made things like the Wombles and Astro Farm and Treasure Island and all these kids' TV shows from your youth. Um, and um, I was a runner for a bit, but then eventually I got in as an editor in their cutting rooms. And in those days, they used to cut on film. And yeah. we'd, it was amazing. We'd shoot 35 mil or 16, super 16 mil. And as an editor, you know, I was able to sort of take these strips of film um, you know, stick them on the bin and see all the shots lined up and, and, and then assemble them on a steam back. And it was just, a, I just found it fascinating. And mm. I, you know, I'd made Super 8 movies before that. I made, I, I would, you know, I'd had Super 8 movies since I was about 14 years old. I've been making them. So it was like an extension of that and doing it on the big boy stuff. But um, it, I cut, I don't know, I think I cut in the region of about 300 films. Wow. Uh, 10 minute, wow. Uh, not, not features, sadly, but like 10 minute sort of films. And but because still, what a place to learn, you was, know, what a place was, to cut your teeth. It literally. was amazing. And, and uh, the guy I worked with, Andy Sloss, who's um, still a mate, you know, he, he trained me up. He, he used to just let me get on with it and, um, you know, and just got to point me in the occasion. But I'd, I was sitting down with directors. As soon as I started to learn how to use a scene back, I would sit with the directors and we'd cut their films together. So a huge learning curve. And because it was kids' animation, and this was like 3D model animation, um, you'd start you'd, you'd start with a script, but uh, you'd only record the voice, that you know, the talking, the characters talking, mm-hmm. and then you'd you'd kind of build the film around the um, dialogue. But it was um, it was great because it was like putting jigsaw puzzles together, and every story had to be very visual. So uh, you know, they didn't go for reams of dialogue; <laughs> really, really simple scripts that were very visual for young kids. And it, I say it really taught me how to put films together and, and, and the patience that you need to do that kind of thing. So, mm. Well, you got to see it from a really interesting side, didn't you? You got to see when the directors finished the work or when it's in a, a sort of when it's a place where you're, you're doing the final bits in a way. Yeah, and I think that's a good place to come at it from because most filmmakers don't. They come at it from screenwriting side yeah. where you're just going this idea is amazing it should be on screens around the world whereas you were seeing it from that side going well yeah these ideas have already passed through that stage and now i'm getting them and the kind of some are great and some aren't and it's interesting isn't it that what gets made and it, what doesn't it's it's incredible and what i realized that the way to make a movie um was to write a script and um i'd never really written a proper script before so i read all the books 
on how to do it. And then I just, you know, sat down and kind of got on with it. And I wrote one script, um, which was a pretty awful called Naked Fear. Um, but that, nice. yeah, that, that taught me, I kind of got, I got the gist of it there. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to make something, I need to make something low budget. I like Friday the 13th, uh, mm-hmm. the original. So yep. I, I made something a bit like that and, um, it was called Driven. And, yep. um, and I, and having worked in TV for about six years at that point, what they used to do to get their TV shows funded was they'd make, they'd make pilots. Um, so I made a little, a little pilot for Driven and, um, and I knew lots of people in the film industry, but nobody that would fund the kind of horror film. They're all kind of kids TV connections. So I, 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 I got the case directory and I literally went through the book and I wrote to every distributor. Can I come and show you my script to my pilot? And I, wrote, I remember 300 letters. That was before email, by the wow, way. Wow, wow. Yeah, before email. That's a lot of letters. There was a lot of letters, yeah. I had, Licking I did, stamps. And it wasn't even proper computers. I had a um, little typewriter thing. So um, it, was, it was a lot of work. Anyway, we sent, sent all these letters out. Can I show you my script to my pilot? And most people ignored it, as they do. Um, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of them wrote back to us and, me and said, no, not for me. And then... Um, they wrote back to say no. Yeah, yeah, well that, yeah, exactly. They, they, you, so wait, hang on. So you're there yeah. at home. Oh, there's a letter come through the post. Look at this. It's exciting. You open it up. No. <laughs> I mean, would would you rather have not had a uh, response? No, 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 no. The thing about no's is when you get a no, it means you're one step close to the yes. That's what I keep saying. I agree yeah. with that. It's, 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 it's one in a hundred, isn't it? Let's go with that. So yeah, the more exactly. no's you get, if you the closer enough, you are to that one yes. Exactly. Fine. If you throw enough crap at the wall, some of it will stick. That's what technical <laughs> term. Anyway, so so um, two people, two distributors came back to me and said, yeah, come and have a chat. One guy, I went to meet him. He was very nice, but I, I just got a bad vibe. However, I went to see this other chap. They were a company called Dandelion Distribution. They've gone now. But Noel Cronin was the MD there. And we sat down and we chatted and showed him the pilot. And he said, look, I make TV movies. I don't make uh, feature films, so it won't be for cinema. It'll be for TV. He said, but it's a great place to learn. And I thought, hey, how bad can it be? I'll make a TV movie. So I had, mm-hmm. to, I had to tone down the gore and make because, it. Because Driven, you had a decent cast. You got Gary Beadle in there, Doug Bradley for one, yeah. Hellraiser himself. Um, who else you got in there? Grant Masters as well. He's Grant, been yeah, Grant's done, Grant's done doing very well now, actually. Yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, that's your first. You well, know, it, it, well, it, the the thing was feature. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, but uh, but you know what? It was it was hard work. In fact, it was um, a baptism of fire, really. And and the the saving grace was the cast actually, and and the production team because we. Oh, I don't know how political to get here. Well, so it's twenty years ago. I can tell you what happened. I'm sure you're fine now. Yeah. Um, you know when you when you get in those days when you got money for a film, it was a bit like the honeypot had been opened and everybody was kind of on me. And um, so, so, so Noel agreed to fund it, but he wanted me to bring somebody in to, to hold, to actually write the checks and look after the money. Because um, I didn't have a producer. I was a kind of, I've always been a bit of a one-man maverick, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so Noel wanted me to have somebody to kind of, um, to write the checks and to look after the money. And so I met this young producer. We met in the pub and it was good and it was very positive and, and I thought, great, I've got, I've got my team, we're off. And, um, you know, he introduced me to the cameraman, Gordon Hickey, who shoots Holby City and lots of TV. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then 
we started to cast it and I'd, I'd seen Grant Masters, strange enough, in an episode of Casualty and I thought, this is our man. And it started with Grant and then we got Sharon Small, who's, who's also done yeah, very well. she's great. Um, and, and Doug Bradley, strange enough, Noel knew him because he'd done some low-budget movies for Noel. So I met, met Doug. He came in and, and Gary, and Gary kind of came in at the end, Gary Beadle. But, you know, the money was there. We were ready to roll. And then all of a sudden... The producer that I brought in, Nick, um, said, listen, I want my friend to have a look at the script. And uh, I'm like, right, yeah, I know. And I was like, well, I know the script's right. He said, no, 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 this guy's great. So I met, I met this chap, Richard, who was a nice enough chap. And he said, oh, I can, you know, what, what is this? And he, they kind of baffled me a little bit, you know, with the whole thing. Um, so I, they assured, they said, look, it's the right thing to do, you know, do the right thing for the film. So I was like, okay. So they, they went and rewrote the script. And I said to him, please just don't cock it up. So he brings in this script back and it's huge. I mean, it, but the weird thing was, it was very well written. You know, on the, as you looked at it on the page, it was beautifully written, but the, there was a lot more dialogue and new characters and it suddenly got very complicated. Meanwhile, no, Noel was like, come on, we're going. We've got to go. We've got to get this thing get done. Mm. you see where this is going don't you yeah of course uh, and um, going, uh, uh. <laughs> suddenly i've got this huge movie even the cast are going oh, hey what and and we have to go and nick wouldn't revert back to my old version oh it was a nightmare so i tried to make this other version work anyway off we went and the the next 31 days were the most hellish days of my life um it absolutely broke me i tell you but i was i was like a a, a bull terrier you know, with gritted teeth, I just kind of went for it. And, and I, f- I fell out with everybody. I fell out with Nick, the, the whole, the whole, whole kind of production side. I didn't fall out with the DOP and the camera team or anything. Well, because you've worked with him before. You worked with him on Invasion as well. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, well, he, exactly. He's, um, he was so lovely and, and he kind of got what I was trying to do. But I just found I was battling everybody and everyone that they, Nick had brought in. They were just, they just turned on me. It was bizarre. Anyway, I, I learned, I learned the hard way. But one thing I did learn was when you get to the end of the film, they all disappear and you're mm-hmm. left, you're left holding the baby. So, yep. There I, you are you, with just all these rushes going, oh, oh and they go, God. we'll go make it amazing. And you're like, wow. I know. I know. And what, what did, okay, you said you learned quite a lot there. And I think yeah. this would be interesting for our listeners. Would you have done something different now looking back? Um, would you have made more shorts beforehand rather than jumping straight in? No, I think, I think what I would have done actually would have vetted everybody because, um, you know, yeah. you know what film industry people are like. There's a lot of talk and a lot of, and I was, I was kind of nervous because, um, it was my first film. It was, it was a lot of money for a, a first time filmmaker and, uh, I didn't want to screw it up. And I was very aware of the career path that I wanted to take, you know. It, you make your first film and you move on to the next and up you go. And so this had to be good. And, um, it, I mean, as, you know, saying that the film sold all over the place, it did really well. So, um, the, they, they were happy. Um, but I was never happy with the film. It just felt like, it felt like someone had taken my baby away, you know, and it, it was mm. this, it was this thing. So I was very conscious, whatever I did next, um, I was going to do it my way by hook or by crook. Um, however, I'm you know I, I sound like I'm dissing the film. I'm, I'm actually the film's okay. As the, as the years have gone by, I've grown slightly more in love with it again. Um, sure. Well, uh, you could, I suppose the scars heal a little bit, don't they? It's kind of a bit like um, they do. You know, 
Yeah, it's not so bad. Like an old friend or whatever. After a while, you go, well, if I saw him again. Yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. He's like an old friend, actually. That's a good way of putting it. It's, um, mm. I and, think films should be like that. It's like they're your best friend. That you then you're with them all the time, and then you know when you sell it, you have to let them go. They need to go on their own journey. Like you say, it's the baby, isn't it? Grows up and becomes yeah. this monster. Exactly. Mm. Off you go into the world. Off son. you go, monster. Go yes, and go. Try and be nice. Give me some <laughs> nice feedback, please. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So then from there, you tried to make, you know, during that time, you, you then did work with Chris Jones on Gone Fishing, which was his um, brilliant yeah. short film. Uh, and you, you went and worked with various other people. From there, then, you've made Driven, your first feature film. It <coughs> has got out there in the world. What was the next step for you then to go make well, Kaleidoscope yeah, Man, which um, turned into Invasion? Well, to be honest, I, I was a bit kind of... Um, I don't, I, I, well, I'll be honest. Hey, we're filmmakers. We're all human. I was pretty mm. broken at the end of it, actually. It it was what was what really was I found very disappointing was um, nobody took me seriously, and and I'd always you know taken myself seriously. You know, I, it meant a lot to me, and 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 it that that hurt quite a bit. And 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 the, what I I kind of looking back on it, I pointed my finger at the British film industry and said, you know, you don't support your own, and I was a bit angry and a bit bitter and twisted and. And I, you know, I was getting married and we wanted to have a family. And I thought, I don't, I don't want to be that person. I need to step away from this. And, um, so I, I focused on earning some money and, you know, building up my kind of, uh, just, you know, life stuff, basically focused mm. on all of that. But, um, I started writing other scripts and, um, and I, I was up and I, I was up for this lovely Christmas feature film. Um, yeah. that, that I spent a lot of time working on and then that collapsed and then I tried to get other films off the ground and they collapsed and it always came back to the same thing it was always money mm-hmm. always money um, I'm mm. sure you've had that experience yourself many times yeah it does it's, come down to money it's a really strange one that as filmmakers we can be really creative we can have made a feature and it's done okay it's done well enough it's done well and I hear this a lot with the podcast is people then go yeah the second one People were interested or they wanted to make something very similar to the first one or they weren't interested at all. But what you always needed is money. And people always say, yeah, don't worry, we're going to make a movie with you. This is going to happen. And you go down a route and a year later that falls down. And yeah. so you're now in limbo with going, oh, yeah. shit, I now I'm not making a movie anymore. I'm not a director. I haven't directed anything for a year or longer. And it's that not- can be quite. It's, heartbreaking it, 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 yeah absolutely absolutely and I, you know but looking back i think that's the journey that unfortunately is paying your dues i suppose but it feels like a lot of pain to go through to pay your dues but um but you know that that said um i you know i was making i was making lots of little things and i would say so i got to work with chris chris was very mm-hmm. inspiring on gone fishing actually chris jones mm-hmm. um that that kind of slightly reignited my fire because i saw how he did it and Chris and I had been talking about how can we how can we get to our audience and get them to chip in and at the time crowdfunding wasn't really you know wasn't really happening um but I kind of I was I was reaching I, I was going through my 40s a bit quicker you know I had two young daughters they were growing up and so I was focusing on on um you know making sure everything was right for them but I'd written Kaleidoscope Man and yes. I was I thought to myself now, this is back in 2003, okay? I thought to myself, forget the film industry. I'm not going to waste my time banging on doors of the film industry, which I spent years doing, trying to get deals and you get, you know, get promises and then this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, 
I'm going to I'm going to do it like a business. I'm going to write a business plan. I'm going to make a film and I'm going to then sell it and I'm going to go to private investors. And I'd never done this before, but I read up how to do business plans and I I wrote this bloody great thing. It was about two inches thick about how we were going to make the film and sell it and how it was going to make millions. And uh, and I sent it out to all these like um, hedge fund managers and I blitzed everybody and um, spent a fortune doing it. And I got nothing back from it. I was like, bloody hell. However, then I got this call from this chap in Birmingham that said, um, oh, you know, uh, we, we pitched to investors, business angel network. Why don't you come and pitch? So I, 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 um, I got in the room with these whole bunch of investors. They'd all looked at my business plan. At that point, I'd hired someone to do all this lovely artwork. So it was, nice, it was a nice looking package. And I mm-hmm. went and pitched to this bunch of investors. There were about 50 people in there and it was a bit like Dragon's Den. They all kind of like laid into me and stuff, but it was quite, it was a good experience. And I came away and someone said, I'm going to give you five grand. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Right. Thanks. (laughs) Cheers then. Cheers for that. Anyway, uh, eventually uh, a group called the Advantage Creative Fund came back and said, look, we'll, we'll give you some money. Um, We'll give you the money you need. Um, But there's a, there's a slight like, um, caveat here you can't spend it on the film you've got to spend it on your business and at the time i was doing corporate videos i'm like well Mm -hmm. that's a bit pointless but then they sat in the room and said look you know we need to fund your business that's what the money's for however get you get all the kit you need you know get your business working and then we'll fund your film we'll give you we'll give you 150 grand to to get your ball rolling on the on the movie sure great all right okay so of course I, you know, I have my business, it's all booming, we have staff and it's all going well. And then suddenly work just dies and the recession, I'm not making excuses here, by the way, but the recession <laughs> was bad. It really like just knocked me for six. But I did make a pilot. I managed to make a, a really nice little 3D, uh, sorry, um, lots of CGI pilot. Where, and I got Steve Moyer, who was in True Blood, to be in it. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't he? It's, I don't know if you saw it, but it was a great little, it was a great little pilot. And... Um, but I still couldn't get the money. And this guy in Canada promised me 300 grand. He said, yeah, I'm going to give you 300 grand. I thought, great, with 150 from the other fund, perfect. So I, so what do I do? I start preparing and start, the snowball starts to grow. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, uh, then, then basically the Canadian pulled out and it all just, it all just fell apart again. Oh, and I, man. this was like, uh, 20, 2009. So I was really, I'd really had enough at that point. But I, I kept coming back to this film, the script. I thought, I love this script. It's so good. I've got to make this. And luckily, uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo came along. And that, that was for me when everything changed. So, Wow. <sighs> Wait, so, so you'd, okay, so what's your writing process then, like on Clyde's Girl Man, that you'd learnt from Driven and you'd learnt moving forward? Had you, why did you feel it was so good? Well, for, for the first time ever, I thought I'm going to write, the movie that I want to make and I want to make nice yeah you know and I I'll be honest with you obviously Star Wars is up there the original Star Wars is up there but I love things like Six Million Dollar Man Space 1999 Battlestar Galactica the original and all this kind of 70s and early 80s TV and I thought I want to make that's what I want to make I'm going to make that and I wrote this script and nobody really got it nobody got it <laughs> and and I kept tweaking it tweaking it and I because it took so long it took about 10 years I had this script there it become a little bit of a mess. And then I met this lady called Pippa Cross, who's a big, big British producer. 
And uh, she said she'll look at it. And I thought, shit, I can't show this. I can't. So I, so I then, we, you know, I then took six months out. I went back to, back to scratch, you know, fade in right from page one. What did mm. I want to make? And I took all the good stuff out of the script and over six months rewrote the script. And I, it, I was really pleased with it. It was, um, you know, the, the other version had so many influences, like the Tarantino influence of like Pulp Fiction. So the narrative was all over the place and nobody got it. But sure, sure. I rewrote this thing and suddenly I've got this really powerful script. Um, and, and I started crowdfunding and I thought, I'll raise, I'll raise the full amount on, uh, on Kickstarter. Wow. As you do. How much were you looking for? Well, uh, well, the, I thought I'd, I thought I was just I decided to make it low budget or make it at whatever level I could. I was just going to make the thing <laughs> exactly. So I tried to raise sixty, that failed, and then I thought okay. I'll shoot in phases. That's what I'll do mm-hmm. um, because the nature of the scripts, the um, uh, the hero and the heroine are, are together at the beginning, and then she goes one way, he goes another, and I've got two separate scripts there. I thought, oh, that'll that'll work. I'll focus on the girl's story first. So I, I crowd managed to get seven grand on the first campaign mm-hmm. shot. And I thought I need an audience, but you know, I need to get an audience here. So we shot the biggest scene first, which was in central Birmingham, managed to get loads of people turning up and being extras. And they're running through the streets as the spaceships are blasting them. And um, that's so cool. And that's what's in the trailer at the moment. That is, right? is that one of the shots that's still in there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, this. that's amazing. Yeah, that, that, How? that, yeah, that was production value at, Gone crazy. From the off. And do you know what? That's really clever what you did there. Rather than shooting intimate scenes, which you could have done, and then gone, right, now we need the second phase. Hey, here's some clips. People have gone, well, yeah, it's cool, but it's just people in a room. You've gone, hey, look at this. I've got lots of people running in Birmingham City Centre and spaceships firing at them. People now know what the movie is. They know what you're trying to do. And they go, yeah, I I want some of that. So it was a clever thing to do. Really? Oh, thank you very much. Well, what was, what actually, I, looking back, the really good move was, um, the thing is, Twitter was quite new at the time. This is how long ago it was. You know, you met Mark Robbins, my, my old schoolmate. Yeah. 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 Mark and Lovely I, we, we were both novices on Twitter and Facebook. Okay. And, um, I started blitching out on Twitter. Come and be an extra. Come and be in our movie. Uh, you know, be, get blasted by aliens. And I just blasted this. It, Twitter tweet out all the time, day after day. And we set a date. We were doing it on Facebook as well. And I and I had all this lovely artwork from that this chap had done, Matt Alsop, who went on to do Rogue One, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I was blasting on that out there. We got to Birmingham on this on this um, Saturday, sorry, Sunday evening. I'd had a crane, lights, and film Birmingham had let us like close off this street. And I got there and I was terrified. I thought, Christ, what if only like 20 people turn up? It's going to totally, be shit. Yeah. And, and I was really, I was bricking it beyond belief. And 900 people turned up. I, oh my gosh. I, I 900. It was unbelievable. And what, we had flyers. So all of them had flyers. Next day, my Facebook um, account had shot up by thousands, you know, hundreds of people. And uh, as is my Twitter following. And the next campaign I did, they all came aboard and they chipped in oh, tank with it. And because man. they were all emotionally engaged, they had such mm. a good time running up and down the streets. Did, how did you manage 900 people? Because it's, it's <laughs> like you say, it's just kind of you at this stage, really. So now you've, it's fine to maybe manage 60 to 90, maybe 900 people. Well, uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you lot just run when I well, say. Well, I, I, thought, I thought long and hard about 
logistically how to do it. You know, mm. we, we, we had this amount, you know, from this end of the street to that end of the street. I had a couple of mates that were on, um, in the, that were first ADing and also, um, Film Birmingham, the, the lady there, Cindy Campbell, was, just, was all over it. She was really, really good and, you know, made sure everything was kind of worked properly. But I, I also had seven, I think it was six or seven cameras around, dotted around it. And I was just like, just get shots of people running, you know. And, and I literally, you know, we said, okay, I had the megaphone. Okay, when I say now, you lot run that way, you lot run that way. And then they'd all run up the street and then I'd go back up and say, right, now we're going to run back. And we'd just move the cameras around and... And, and, and it was just it was literally one step at a time and we only shot for about seven hours i think that first night but everybody said they were so they got so high and everybody had knackered um legs from running up and down the street <laughs> but it was, it was amazing it was, it was, i think that is amazing because you started your journey there you went right i'm going big i'm going bold so now you've got some stuff in the can now you can go back to your next stage yeah. indiegogo and basically so everyone you made this whole movie pretty much on indiegogo or kickstarter and doing crowdfunders yeah. most of it yeah to be honest well, probably about a third of it actually if i'm um okay but 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 what i didn't really well the thing is it, filming making as you know is an expensive game and that seven mm-hmm. grand went really quickly and i'd promised the backers we were going to shoot this and shoot that so then i shot a space station scene which was a potentially a bit of a disaster because we didn't have the money to do it properly, but it, it kind of worked okay, and I, I managed to we managed to sort that out. We fixed it anyway in post. <laughs> Fix it in post. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, but then not I, of that. Yeah, the real movie been sci-fi esque and green screen and yeah, I mean, just loads of it. Must have been a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, for the next two years, I ran seven more campaigns. Sorry, six more campaigns and. You know, it, we equaled about 50 grand over the, over the two years. And I shot a lot of the film and I shot quite a lot of intimate stuff. And we shot a lot with Lucy Drive, our lead. And, mm. um, I had a nice little package. And then, then I met a, a lovely producer called, oh, is that your, that's my lovely dog. That, that sounds like you've got the werewolf just kicked down the door. Um, yeah. At that point, <laughs> my, my lovely dog Riley, she's so cute. Oh. When the door, door goes, it's like, she's on it. She's well, that was a, it. that was a proper rule. Yeah, um, was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, where was I? So, um, Lucy driving oh, yeah. the lead. Yeah. So we shot we shot all of Lucy's. Uh, so we shot all of Lucy's bits actually. But then yeah, then I met this lovely producer called Phil Taylor, who basically helped me to get some bigger investors on board, and that really helped because then we were able to shoot proper chunks. You know, I shot for two weeks, and then we shot you know lots of bits, and then um, eventually after. A few more investors came on board. I'd cut this scene with all the crowds in and it was looking fantastic. But I thought, there's one thing missing. We need the military. And um, I'd met this guy that had uh, 72 tanks, actually. I met wow. in, in, a, in rugby, in a, in a barn in rugby. And I said, you know, could you, if, could you get some tanks into town if I can convince Birmingham Council to let us in? Um, and they, after loads of negotiation, they let us bring... Um, Three tanks, armored personnel carrier, and a machine gun mounted jeep into um, central Birmingham with forty troops with machine guns, and I then shot all the inserts of the of the military, and uh, that was that was another fantastic experience. But at that point, everyone was very engaged, and when I put out that we were shooting, you know, another I don't know three or four hundred people turned up, but it was enough. Um, and uh, and then I had to the, then the film was there. I was cutting it. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and being a sci-fi movie and loads of green screen, I now had to face the, the demon, which was how the hell I was going to get the special effects done. And, now, uh, this is interesting because <laughs> you set out to make a sci-fi film knowing you can't do VFX. So this is what I really like about <laughs> this story is you did what a lot of clever filmmakers do is they learn how to do it themselves. <laughs> and this is what you did, correct? Yep. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> in a nutshell, I—I'll I, I, be. I mean, what? One thing I couldn't do. I didn't want to do the three D spaceship. So I, that was just—I couldn't handle that. So I was able to raise a bit of money, hire hire a couple of guys to do the uh, the actual model work, and yeah. and and what they did was they gave me loads of shots of ships flying overhead, banking, and all these different angles. I sort of gave them a list of shots, and they went away. Or this main chap, Ian Whiston, his name is. Um, I went away, did all these, gave them to me on a, like a, a composite layer that I could then drop into our background plates. Um, and so I, I, I mastered, um, Adobe After Effects and people were like, is that, is that what you did it on? I did have one chap, a Polish chap, help me with some of the really heavy stuff. Um, but I just literally went through it one shot at a time. And it, I mean, there are more shots in this, more effects shots than Star Wars. I think there was 850 effects shots, something like that altogether. Wow. And it, it, it was a monster and it took me two and a half years. And um, I was at my computer, you know, day after day and, and having to work. I'm a freelance, you know, I do corporate videos and that sort of stuff as well. So mm-hmm. I was having to work like a Muppet and we were, I was just cranking out shot, shot after shot. And then, then of course, um, when Rogue One came out, I, I was right in the thick of it. And I was looking at that, and I, weeping, you know, how can mm. I get it? Gareth Edwards, strange enough, is from the same town as me. He lives; his family lived just down the road. But I've, you no know, no way. I know. Wow. But um, and and he was the bar. That was the bar. I thought I've got to get it looking like Rogue One. And I tell you, yeah. I, I never did get it looking like Rogue One, but it it looks okay, you know. Um, <laughs> the thing is, you've got to set your bar high, haven't you? And go, well, yeah. I, I want to get it there. And the fact that you did this on your own for no money over this amount of time is is a huge feat and an inspiration to any filmmaker out there. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely, going forward. Okay, so now you're yeah. in that place where you've got your film in some order. You've you're working on your VFX, and it's like you say, took two years to do. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. But, but, um, and, obvi- and obviously, and interestingly, over that time as well, um, before the sort of getting to the edit stage and the VFX stage, your actors are growing up and changing over <laughs> the five years you're filming, and getting bigger or maybe not wanting to act anymore i don't know i mean was there well, that along um, the way no actually there wasn't um to be honest the way i did it with lucy drive i shot all of her scenes up front so that was she was kind of done then she went to la yep. and she was in la for two years but i had i had the one scene with her and simon haycock our lead and just before she left i shot it but we had a few technical problems and it wasn't I don't know. It didn't. The scene didn't work very well, and so I decided to reshoot it. But I then had to wait two years for her to come back. Um, and when I saw on Facebook, "Oh, I'm back!" I was like, all over Lucy. Come on, do you mind reshooting the scene? Mm. And um, so we reshot it in a in a different location. Look, it was much better. And um, uh, so it's just that that was the only difficult one. With the others, I shot them pretty much within nine ten months. You know, all of their scenes. Um, mm. The ADR, meanwhile, that was years later. <laughs> but um, right, 
but okay. but it was it was all fine and uh, to be honest everyone looked pretty much the same I, i'd aged right but, yeah. but, <laughs> you've gone grayer and older and like uh, exactly. you're pulling pulling hair out <laughs> but i mean but your actors look this i mean yeah look you had some great cast in it some pr- proper indie up-and-comers and indie yeah. filmmakers i love them all so you've got john campling uh danny Steele, toy wilcox is in there kate davis speakers in there yeah Julian boot you know all these people are around they're making indie films and they're part of that world and it's really nice that you, you know, you work with them. And like I say, they haven't, they don't age that much. You can get away. It's <laughs> no, not exactly. They're dying their hair. I had the issue on the dare is, um, yeah. uh, when I went back to do some more filming on it, my lead actress had, had gone ginger. So it was like, okay, <laughs> uh, we'll have to, ch- and my lead actor had got short hair then. So yeah. you kind of have to just make it work and go, okay, well, let's wig them and let's just spray paint, you know, something in. There, and your audience don't often notice this sort of no, stuff. No, no. There is that moment when they turn up a set and you go, <gasps> isn't it? <gasps> well, yeah, it's, no. <laughs> well, I think it's fine if the adult actors, I had a, my wonderful kid actor, Mitch Norman. Yeah. And obviously it was over a year time when we're doing the sort of next scene with him and he's a year older. And at that age, they do develop suddenly really quickly. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. One more year and I'm, oh, no, he's never going to match. I, I know, I know. It's, it's funny, actually. Our, we shot our children. There's a scene where the our heroes are kids. We shot yeah. them in 2014. They came to the screening. I didn't see them. I hadn't seen them since. They came to the screening <laughs> earlier this year and they were like, hello, how are you doing? And they were like, two young men. And I'm like, Jesus. Amazing. Yeah. I know. And you're like, who are you? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Yeah. Oh. I know. It's probably going to happen like that when I see Mitch again. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? It's just movies take a long time. It's not. Yeah. People and you, think, why isn't it out? Why isn't it ready? And you're like, well, it takes time. This, I know. It can't I know. be done. And you, and you, feel, you feel kind of sorry for them because um, for them, it's this amazing experience mm. and they have a great time and then they go back to normal life and no one else really knows. And, and they're thinking, oh, it'll be out soon. And then suddenly the childhood goes and, mm-hmm. and they've, they have this cloudy memory of this experience that probably filled totally. them with hope and excitement. And you think, oh. Yeah, yeah and they look and I, yeah i feel the same way with mitch as well and it's and, and my other actors young actors in it and it's kind of it's that you know they're all wonderful and you think by the time they see it <laughs> if they're acting still which most of them are which is no. brilliant is that then they go if they go and show that to someone or to an agent or casting director they go yeah you don't look like that anymore <laughs> and that's the sad part of it for us as well oh, no. um, you, you kind of want to deliver straight away for them and because they're so wonderful and they work so hard yeah um it's, but yeah, these it's the sacrifices, unfortunately. Yeah, the sad thing. I know. It's funny. It, it was funny with our. Um, we've got two brothers, basically. The little brother, when he was in the film, was you know a bit of real character, and we shot the scene in 2014. Then we cut in the film. We cut to the brother, and it, you know, and he's um, I don't know, early 40s or something. I found this guy that was such a spitting image of this little boy. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. Brilliant actor, and um, we shot the scene of, of the grown up boy. Ian Dangerfield, our sound man, who's a who's on Facebook, a great indie filmmaker. He um, he was there and he he couldn't believe it. He said to this actor, said, "I remember you when you running around the garage as a little lad." Yeah, <laughs> you had to be there, you know. Anyway, oh, filmmaking, filmmaking. Anyway, filmmaking. I know. So, like I said, you've yeah. got great cast. You've you've now put got the film in the can in some way. You've now done all your VFX work. How 
have you managed to get it out there into the world um, and get the, the poster, by the way, is brilliant. The name changes. Oh, thank I you. Think, a great idea. But that poster is fantastic. Oh, I can fantastic. imagine on the can shop floor, someone will go, yeah, I'll have that. Yeah, I'll have that. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that's great. the sell, uh, distributor. In fact, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to mention it yet, but anyway, I won't mention the names of them yet. Sorry, guys, if you're listening. Um, you know what? I found, we were talking just before we came on. The sales side is actually quite, it's quite depressing when you make your film, you've got this amazing high, you, push it through and d- deliver you know you deliver this great thing and you show your friends and audiences cheer and it's just like magic you've done it you've done it mm-hmm. and then you hit sales <laughs> and um yeah what happened come on tell well, see, well uh, how can you yeah inspire some filmmakers okay okay we, the, we fir- the first thing you will get depressed after your your finished film i'm sure you know that giles when did you finish yours by the way like officially finish it is it just recently no, uh, on the dare. No, um, wasn't that recently? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> was it this year? Was it this Blends year? Blends in uh, officially, as in handed it in as a final copy. Literally. Well, yeah. Last so week. That, that's it. It's done. Or <laughs> last week. Oh no! Literally oh, oh okay, week. okay. You you yeah. may get a bit depressed. I, you know, it's <laughs> it seems like inevitable. And I I've known for years, like, oh shit, this is going to be a major come down for me after this, after all these years on it, and. Uh, I, I was, I got very low, you know, I got really quite depressed and, um, as did my wife, bless her. She, cause we were both going through it and suddenly we're like, Oh my God, what do we do now? We've got, we've got to earn a living again. Um, mm. anyway, I, I was warned by a lot of good producers, beware the American sales agent, you know, that, that, that there's a lot of sharks out there. And that was all I was hearing. There are sharks. And I know a lot of my friends ripped off. We, we all know filmmakers that have, bad stories about sales agents and distributors. So I was very, very wary, but I, I sent it out to a few key people. It got rejected quite quickly by some of them, which was great because at least you know where you are when you, when you totally. get Totally, it's better than hanging on, absolutely. Yeah, then, yeah. There's, then there's the ones that, yeah, yeah, I promise you, and they yeah, I'm going to look at it, yeah, yeah, and then they never look at it, they never respond to you, and you think, oh, God, here we go. Um, however, I, I got on the phone and I phoned up loads of them and a lot of them were like, yeah, send it in. And they don't look at it. I met, mm. I spoke to this one theatrical distributor and I, I pitched it. Look, it's a retro sci-fi movie. It's, you know, based on 70s, 80s kind of sci-fi. And he watched it and he got it and he said, I love it. I love it. He said, I, I want to help you. I want to help you with this. And he said, what he's doing is um, he's doing a theatrical release in December, it may only yeah. be one day, but it's hopefully going to be up to 50 screens all across the UK. Um, amazing. But just as a launch pad, it's like, oh, man. That was so I'm so excited about that. And he's got me in with Comic-Con, and Comic-Con are going to do a big spread on it at the um, in November. So it's really very, very exciting. But what he did, and I, I really like, like this guy, um, what he did was uh, he introduced me to a couple of very nice chaps that have got a, a TV and DVD distribution company, and yeah. and they're going to do the UK. They then introduced me to this American, or this he's a British guy, but he's got an American distribution company. And uh, today we signed the deal to get it in America. So, um, hey, come on, yeah. get in! So, um, well, congratulations! Thank that's you, huge thank news. you. And, and that's taken about nine months to get to that there, but it's been I'm so chuffed actually. Do you know what? That, it, hearing that, and there'll be loads of people listening who go, oh, okay, it's worth it. All the battle, all the hard shit that you've gone through to yeah. get to that stage. 
Because until you've been in the trenches, listeners, until you've actually gone out there and made a film, you think, oh, stop whinging, stop moaning. Do you know what I mean? You've yeah, made a yeah. film. What's the problem? You've done it. It's not, it's like Simon's saying here, you, you do get depressed. You do get down about it because this is your baby. And <laughs> it's really tough. It's really tough when people say, no, I don't want it. No, it's not good enough. No, no, no. But this happens. This happens to everyone, every filmmaker. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's about you've got to get over and, and get through. But this is incredible. And I'm really pleased for you and proud oh, for you, Simon. Thank you, mate. Thank you. That's, that's I know what you've been through. I've been following your journey for a long time. And it's it's really incredible. But and, do you and know, I'm, well, sorry. I'm glad you could announce it on the podcast as well. How yeah, I, I might be in trouble for that. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I have, to, I, I, I have to say, actually, um, with with Kaleidoscope Man slash Invasion Planet Earth, mm. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I, I was determined to enjoy the journey. And that two and a half years, I, I stood I stood at my because I've got a stand up desk, stood at my computer working through those effects. I I, I loved every minute of it. As, as as weird as that may sound, um, because it was my film, it was my script. It was I just thought. I gave it everything. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd do a shot over and over and over again, and I gave it absolutely everything. And I, I, I can't go. Oh, you know, there was a little bit more left in me because there wasn't what you see. That's that's me up there on the screen. So I'm very. It's worth doing, and that's what I say to any other filmmakers. You know, you've got to believe in yourself, and you've got to believe in what you're doing. And um, one of the things I, I was gonna, I was thinking about what can, what pearls of wisdom can I give, and I would say to any really serious filmmaker, try and avoid being a hack. People may come to you with money, with something that is okay, you know, doesn't work, but you think, well, it's a chance to make a film. It will kill you emotionally and physically. And it's like, it's, for me, it's just just work on something you really care about and you really believe in. And you know, you know, you want to see it up there on the screen as much as you want everybody else to see it. So that's, you know, that's what, that's the wisdom I would pass on from today, I think. I love that. It's being proud of yourself, isn't it? And being proud of your film. And you don't want to come away going, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. I didn't put everything into it, my heart and soul. And I, I think any filmmaker out there has to do that. I think you just, even if you have, um, you know, this, you, you sort of warmed your way into something. I think then, like Sam says, don't do it if it's not right. Yeah, do you, it because you really want to do it because, like I say, it's two, three, five, seven, seventeen <laughs> years. Oh my god, of, of going through this pain. Okay, now, like yep. you say, you, you would you would have done this, whatever. Regardless, you've enjoyed every minute, even through the hardships and the depression times. Yeah. Looking back now, um, it, what I suppose uh, advice for the sci-fi sort of side of it and the VFX side as well be really interesting. The fact that you've learned that. What now would you go back? Because I imagine you're going to make another sci-fi because you love it so much. What now are you going to go change from that, what you've learned from Invasion Planet Earth, you know, in terms of green screen, in terms of how you shoot things? Because um, you know now, you know, you've been through it. You went, oh, why didn't I just move well, that camera a bit there? Why didn't you, I? You know what? You know? One of the things I did, an error, I made an error. And I look back and I could slap myself. And anyone that knows anything is, would, would go, well, Simon, you're an idiot. But we, <laughs> when we did the green screen stuff, don't ask me what, I forgot to put tracking markers on the green screen. Right. Uh, and, and for anyone that doesn't know, basically, you, you lock your 3D camera onto these tracking markers, which means you can move the camera around and the shot will, the person on the green screen will look like they're in the shot. It's a simple way of putting it. Mm. And um, 
oh, that was a nightmare. I had to visually eye match everything and just get all the movements right. And the characters tend to float around if you're not careful with, with that. So that was a massive learning curve. But I would say to anyone thinking of doing it, just just go for it. But you need to you need to work out what what I, what can I actually do? What can I afford to do? The chances are you won't have that team of animators unless you get millions of dollars, of course. But you won't have a team mm-hmm. of animators helping you. There are there are lots of people out there that will help you. YouTube videos. If you've got a problem on YouTube, so if you've got a problem with your effects, After Effects, ask the question on YouTube, and somebody somewhere has made a video how to do it. So true. And, and I learned loads on that, I'll tell you. Yeah, that's what's great now these days for filmmakers out there is, do you know what, if, you, if you're struggling with Premiere or Final Cut, wherever you're at, you just type it in. Someone's there going, here's what you do. You yeah. press this, press this button and everything is fixed. It's not that easy, but yeah, I mean, you can. That's what's so it's, good about it these it, days. It's brilliant. And, um, you know, I did wonder about doing my own version of that, but I thought, oh no, life's too short. There's other people out there doing better at it than me. But um, totally. Well, yeah. Can, yeah I mean, I, I would just say to anyone as well. I mean, I'm I'm 54. Now, hard to believe, I know, but hard I, to believe. I didn't start learning this until I was about 49, 48, 49. So I was I was old school. I've, I mean, I learned on Avid, and I know Avid, and I know After Effects, and all these sort of things. Sorry, um, Premiere, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to really kind of get my head around it at a point when you go, I'm too old for that. No way. No, I wanted to do it. Um, you know, when I was a kid, right, and I used to make my Super 8 movies, um, I did like, I, I did laser battles then. I've always been into kind of Star Wars laser battles, which is what's in um, Invasion Planet Earth. I used mm. to take my taper strip on the back of a piece of film. You have a, like, a layer of emulsion, which is you can scrape off. And I used to pin it up to my window so I could see through it, I have a magnifying glass, and with a little razor blade or pin, scratch a laser and animate it between frames. And these things are about, well, they're eight millimetres wide. So, and, and I kind of adopted that same sort of philosophy. Well, I could do it then, and it looks right. It was on Screen Test, which was a TV show uh, where amateur films used to go in. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just do the same, but as a, as a grown-up. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and it works. There and, you that, go. and it works. And yeah. that's it, isn't it? Um, and what about working with actors then? Because, you know, you've, you spent quite a long time doing that over the years. Did you develop, a, you know, techniques? Did you learn anything from that side of things? Um, I think I, I, one thing I learned on my first film was, you know, actors are very vulnerable. You know, it's, it's hard work being up there on the screen and, you know, or not hard work, but it's, it, it messes with your head. So I, I try and be as flexible as I can with actors. And one of the things I, I'm big on, you know, you write your scripts, whatever and they need to learn the lines that's that that goes without saying but on the day i'm big on blocking i like to just me and the actors just rehearse find find the scene we're going to do and then i'll bring the uh the crew in and and we'll you know we'll work out how we're going to shoot it because i i and i like that i I like that that you know half an hour or so just to kind of develop the, the 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 thought processes just before you're about to shoot so everybody knows what they're doing what's happening next um and that kind of thing really i've heard it i've yeah. heard other directors on the podcast explaining it better but you know <laughs> um that that's that's it for me really and and you know and explain to them you kind of you get where they're at and uh why why you you want to support them as much as possible and that's you know that's in, that's important i think yeah i think everyone's got their own process with this um yeah. with working with actors if you've not worked with actors before 
then go do an acting class. Go be in a film and then you'll understand. You go, oh, okay. It's simple things like that, you know, and you should never be scared of actors or frightened of them. They're, they're vulnerable, they get angry or they get upset because they don't feel right in the scene. It's nothing to do with you necessarily, though it might be, but it's usually to do with the costume's not right, the, mm. the floor's not right, the, the, the eye line's wrong, they don't feel comfortable where they are in that particular moment so you've got to reassure them and say listen i've got your back don't worry about it this is something we can work through together that absolutely That's, absolutely yeah I, I also um i i gave i gave them enough rope to go and hang themselves with as well and what well, <laughs> because it was low budget i couldn't really afford a costume person and i so I said to all of the actors, look, let, let's work out how is he going to look? What, what's she going to be wearing? And, and they all went away and they designed their characters. And, um, our leading man, Simon, went for the kind of the hero in the white shirt. You know, he, he has to have a tie on for a lot of the film. But, um, Sophie Anderson, who played Samantha and Danny Steele and Julie Holt. Danny Steele, yeah, great. Them, they went off and they designed their own characters, what they were wearing. And, 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 and I, the, the script had their arc, but they went and, built their own they, they filled in the colors and so when they turned up on the day they knew exactly what they were doing and they were all very very excited to be part of it and i'd i'd vetted them very carefully to make sure that they were there for the right reasons you know it certainly wasn't mm. for the money <laughs> no absolutely but that's it i think you give give like you say give them enough rope but that's it it's it's their film as well yeah and i think that's the same with the crew it's not your film it's not my film it's everyone's film this was on this could be out there forever certainly your lifetime so why wouldn't you be proud of it why wouldn't you spend the time going well actually would i wear that and actually how would i put this cup down and actually how would i say this line here and is this right for my arc because at the end of the day it's it's their faces on screen and you know yeah um, exactly they've got to live with it they've got to live with it so why wouldn't you know you know what it was so it was so collaborative i mean you know i'm sure we can um chew the fat about how wonderful the experience was but it, we had such a good time i they're all we're all very close on on my first film it, apart from grant masters and a couple of the others it it, it was slightly more shakier a bit more uncertainty i kind of you know we left the film and they weren't happy i wasn't happy and it was just unpleasant whereas this time everybody was on board and they're still all with me you know what simon haycock did which absolutely blew me away when i when I cast him, he went away and he really thought about the character and he plays a, a doctor in like a mental health centre. And mm-hmm. he went and worked in a health centre for a couple of days. And then he, he did this um, video where he was interviewed by, by, I think it was his teacher, about his character, about his character's life. And he built this, and I couldn't believe it. He built this absolute world that this guy had and um, sent me this video. And I used it for my own... <laughs> Just so I knew what was going on because it was absolutely brilliant. And I, you know, um, I played it to Lucy Drive, who used it in the, the scene when they're together. And it was really useful. And I, I just thought, God, that that's goes beyond the job in, in a way. And he was yeah. so prepared. Every shoot, he was absolutely on it. And I was, I'm so lucky, actually, because you know what it's like when you've got actors that aren't quite as good mm-hmm. as they could be. It's, um, mm. it's unpleasant. Yeah, it is unpleasant. But it's so nice when you've got a team with you and they're still with you now and they're, they're still supporting you and it. And if you needed to do another voiceover, they'd be there doing it yeah, with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think 
And that comes from you being being a strong leader and a, and a great person because otherwise they just wouldn't. They'd go, well, this is never going to get finished and oh, I don't know yeah, if I can be bothered with this. <laughs> and there you go. And that's what's important. So what's next for you then? What what's, um, what are you moving towards now? Well, we ha- we've got a little thriller. Um, I, I like the idea of doing something that we'll, I can do in seven, eight months, you know, <laughs> something we can turn around relatively Seven, eight quickly. days would be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Um, so we've got that. Uh, we're still tweaking the script, but it's there. It's, it's pretty well there. And, um, okay. you know, I don't want to say anything too much, but there are potential offers of finance as well, which is a first. My God. I know. Um, and then I've got another sci-fi. And, um, you know, because Invasion Planet Earth was quite big and quite hard to do, I'm going bigger. I'm making I'm making a kind <laughs> of galactic wars. It's, I don't know what it's called yet, but it's going to be a huge epic thing I want to do. That so, is brilliant. So why not aim high? Yeah, exactly. And you know what? As the years go by, it's like we might as well do what you want to do rather than what you feel you should do to please everybody else. Do your own thing. It's so important. That is so important. And a great little quote. Thank you very much. Um, very good, very good. And where can people follow you? Like you say, you've got um, your Twitter page and yeah, built up really well. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, at Simon Cox Film. Um, yep. And uh, just, you know, just go to you and you should find me. Um, Facebook, I'm I'm Simon Cox on Facebook, but the movie's Invasion Planet Earth. That, just look for Invasion Planet Earth. The website's invasionplanetearth.com. There's no trailer yet, but there will be soon. And... Um, I haven't officially released the poster art yet, but um, it's it's on IMDb, so uh, we've started. Um, yeah, you have, and it looks so. When can we re- when can we start promoting that? Uh, um, I need a few more weeks. Ne- nearly, I'm nearly there. It, it, we're kind of waiting because the theatrical guy's doing his thing. We're all sort of waiting mm. f- waiting for them to come up with this is what we're doing, so we have a structure to the to the release because yeah. it's all a bit up in the air. The DVD and the digital, we have a date for that, um, and it, it, it'd be about Christmas time, to be honest. But anyway, right, um, right. so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's it, really. I'm, that's wonderful. So know. people can look out for this film, uh, for the trailer very soon, but it will be released in December. Massive congratulations to you. Thank you, thank uh, you. could say 17 years of work, but definitely seven full years on this feature film, and it's amazing. Thank you. Really, really well thank done. Thank you, well thank done. you. Well, I just hope people see it and love it as much as I do. I really do. So. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And they'll they'll embrace the sort of low budgetness of it and the fact that it's made with love, you know, <laughs> rather than just made with money, you know. Exactly. That, exactly. That's important because we should support the indie films. That's yeah, we should. Why do, you know, that's why I do the podcast. That's why You know I do what? This. Isn't it amazing how many great indie filmmakers are out, out there doing it? You know, we've got these big Hollywood movies which are great, but I think there's so many talented people out there doing stuff. But like yourself, I'm really excited about your film, mate. Seriously, and I'll support you, you all the way. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I'll let everyone know when that's being released. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll be shouting that from the rooftops. Yeah, exactly, but the, exactly. the trailer's out now, so that's good. Uh, the link is in the show notes to all that. And the link yeah. is in the show notes to all Simon Cox's stuff. Um, so do go check him out. Do go follow him and do say, uh, I love listening to you on the podcast. And uh, thank you for your time. Um, being prepared is everything. You can make it in the film, but know who your audience is. 
and get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it's your duty to send that elevator back down. I am going to be away now for the next four weeks, maybe three, four weeks, shooting King Arthur. So the boys are taking over. So that will be fun for you. What I am going to do, as I've mentioned before, is do uh, the little live links from set. So you'll have a couple of minutes from me on each episode. So I will be around. My voice will still be there. I will still be... I don't know, giving you some weird weird words of wisdom from on set. I say weird. I didn't know what word to use then. I was going to say pearls, but that just sounds like, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Um, So I will be on set giving what I'm going through at the time. So look forward to that in the next four weeks. And huge news that I said um, at the beginning of the podcast, but we do have next week the screenwriter of Jurassic Park on this very podcast. David Kep is joining us and I am absolutely devastated. I'm not going to be there to record that and send that out, but the boys will be. So that's good, isn't it, Simon? I, I, I'm around if you're desperate as well. I'd be happy there to you go. talk to that man, certainly. Uh, totally. <laughs> uh, he is an absolute legend of the game and he is joining us on next week's Filmmakers Podcast. And the week after that, we have Emily Mortimer and Whoa. Dolly Wells. Uh, big, big stars there. Um, of their, Dolly Wells' debut feature film as a director, Good Posture. Um, so look forward to those two in the next couple of weeks. I will miss those and I'm absolutely gutted, but I'm making a feature film. You so... are. I'm so impressed, mate, by the way. I'm still here. I'm still here, everybody. I know you're still here and I love it. Isn't, love Char- it. isn't Charles here. a legend? Come on, let's wow. give him a round of applause. Here we go. Well Thank done, you. mate. That echoed, so it sounded like there was more people. <laughs> there you go. I should. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own. I'm, I'm a sound effect machine as well. So, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, listen. Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate your time. Pleasure, mate. For Pleasure. Coming really on enjoyed the podcast. it. Great. So remember, everyone, get out there. Do make your film. Make it happen. Do what Simon's done. Believe in what you want to make, and go out there and do it. Until next Tuesday, when you'll be joined by our lovely hosts and not me. Take care. Get out there. Do it. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.